Welcome in Car Chronicle Podcast. We're recording this on Wednesday, October 28th. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. And Dan is ready to fire off uh, his hot election takes. This is going to be a uh, election, presidential election episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's uh, sneaking up on us, I guess. I've, uh, I've kind of been focused. It's not sneaking up on us. It's not, yeah. It's not on I, everybody yeah. Everybody in the world knows that the election is uh, is six days, six days away, but I genuinely, and I mean this with all due respect, can't think of anybody who would be worse to uh, to give some in-depth political takes right now than Dumpster Dan Sennard. Yeah, I, that's that's just one thing I don't really <laughs> di- dive into. Um, like, it's funny, we're on a text thread, and I, I mean politics does get brought up every once in a while and like i usually just kind of go completely dark during it um but it's it's entertaining to watch uh there it is uh well done dan that that's the 30 minutes of political discourse that you're going to get dumpster dan on today's episode uh we are going to talk much more pleasant things this week namely the fact that louisville just fucking curb stomped florida state last weekend and it was a much much needed victory i think for everybody involved with louisville football uh it was i I don't think i realized how much i needed a weekend like this past weekend until it actually happened like watching louisville beat the brakes off a i i get it they're an average at best fsu team still it's florida state needed a win of any sort and to finally play the type of game that i think we all believed this team was capable of playing was pretty awesome to watch that and then to watch Kentucky look totally anemic against Missouri to watch um, our mutual friend Brian Brom win for Purdue I thought that was awesome his first game as a head coach filling in for Jeff who's got uh, COVID-19 and then the Lions on Sunday winning winning a game that the Lions lose a million times out of a million was uh it was it was just awesome uh did the Vikes even play did they win uh they they actually had a bye but they Okay, didn't the lose. Season, the season's over, but yeah, they didn't well, lose. Well, yeah, but I mean, the Lions aren't doing anything, even though they're buyers at the trade deadline for some reason. I don't know what they're doing, but whatever. Like, it was just, it was nice to have a sports weekend that was overwhelmingly good. I mean, it, it felt like it hadn't happened since God knows when, but it was just, I, I think I much needed overall day. And like I wrote on Card Chronicle, beating Florida State 48 to 16, it doesn't change the fact that Louisville you know, lost its first four ACC games or that this season is not going to be as special as some of us hoped it was going to be. And it doesn't guarantee that we're going to be that good the rest of the year. But for right now, like we just we needed that. We, we needed that cathartic moment that just beating somebody down, the offense playing as well as it possibly can, the defense looking, you know, really good for a second week in a row. I think it was just we all had to have that type of game. It was just a, a really enjoyable experience. Yeah. And I think that the kids on the team definitely needed just to know that, I mean, cause they, they, you know, they had performances like that last year and just to know that they're still capable of doing that. And like you said, FSU looked, I don't even want to say average. I mean, they, they looked pretty bad. Um, they, they, I think they got, they got, a, they got a long way to go. Um, but you know, that's, I, I know we lost the Notre Dame game, but I'd say that's, that's two pretty good weeks in a row. Um, and we have five, you know, winnable games. I'm not saying we're going to be favoring everyone, um, but five winnable games going down the stretch. And, you know, if you can win four, four or five or, you know, God willing, five out of five, that I would call that, um, you know, depending on how I would look at it as a, as a successful season. But, um, you know, it, it just kind of, 
that that win was nice. We'll see. Virginia Tech will be interesting because I think um, just kind of looking on paper, we kind of match up evenly. Um, but I, I was very happy with the win on Saturday. And like you said, it made the weekend a whole lot better. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, now the topic for Louisville fans has kind of become, well, can they win out? And it's weird to think about this team, you know, heading into the season, if you'd said they're going to go seven and four, they're going to be six and four in the ACC, and they're not going to beat Notre Dame, they're not going to beat Miami. We all probably would have looked at that and been like, eh, you know, it's a season. But now, after getting behind the eight ball through the first month and a half of the year, winning out and, you know, being seven and four, I feel like it's more, this season has more, has become more about kind of the direction of the program, continuing to take a step towards where we want to be. We definitely took a step in the right direction last year. Uh, how much of a step this season winds up being, who knows, and, and how much it really matters given the current state of you know everything uh, is, is sort of up for grabs too. But the fact that, I mean, the difference between this year's team responding to a four-game losing streak and what we saw from 2018 where they just completely folded up tent. You had the story that came out in The Athletic a couple years ago where players were saying after that Florida State game, like the coaching staff was – they weren't even updating like the players of the week charts. They weren't, they weren't talking to us. We weren't having meetings. Like everybody just kind of threw their hands up and gave up before the season was even halfway over to see the difference between that and what we've seen from this year's team that has, even when they've not been playing well, they've certainly been playing hard. They've been competing. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. The little video that U of L put out of the post game celebration, Scott Satterfield is talking to the team and he says, you know, we told you guys last night that we felt like an explosion was coming like, I'd say that was an explosion and everybody goes nuts. Like it, it, I think what we've all seen is the same exact thing that the staff has seen. They're better than they were. Uh, they're better than their two and four record. They're certainly better than their one and four record in the conference. And it just, it, it's felt like this team has been so close. Not, not greatness, like not being one of the, the 10 or 15 best teams in the country, but being a legitimately good football team. And it's been the self-inflicted stuff that has just dro- driven everybody crazy. The penalties, certainly the turnovers, um, the leaving guys wide fucking open against Miami 15 times, like all that stuff. It's just been so, again, to use the word frustrating for the first month and a half of the season. But you did kind of get the sense that a performance like this was coming. Didn't know if it was going to be against Florida State, but to have it happen against one of the bigger brands in the conference certainly was good. But I, I think I'm with you. I think if the last two weeks have shown us anything, it's that this is who this team is going to be moving forward. Like you said, not guaranteeing that they're going to win out or that they're not going to have a couple more games where they have a couple bad turnovers and a few bad penalties. But the effort's going to be there. The execution's going to be better than it was against Miami or than it was against Pitt. And that's comforting uh, because if they do take care of Virginia Tech, let's say they win all but one of their, you know, the, the remaining games. I think that that's if they can get to six and five, play a decent opponent in a bowl game, get some momentum going. It's not going to be the type of season that we're all as excited about as we were a year ago, but it's something. I think it's another step towards getting this program back to being consistently national, which is what we're all hoping for right now. Yeah, I totally agree. And for for the guy, especially on offense, it, it kind of reminds me of like a basketball analogy. You know, uh, like a good shooter, they see the ball go through the hoop once and they, they kind of get in the zone. And it was nice to hit on some of those big plays. Um, you know, you had Javion break off the long run, you know, with the long pass to 2-2. Uh, Marshawn Ford broke one for, you know, 30, 40 yards. So, uh, like we said, we, we know that, you know, this team is capable of doing stuff like that. And you hope with 
with one week of being able to kind of put it all together, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and the defense, I mean, they played well too, although Florida State, I know, had many drop passes, but um, that was you know, by the way. it really was. I was like, my God. Everyone that thought I looked like the kid from the Little Giants who like needed to stick him to catch the ball. Like, I'm like, because you know, if they played for Florida State at a specialty position, they're a former like four star recruit at worst. Like, who are these kids who just they look like flag football kids trying to catch the ball? It was like they didn't even look like they know how to catch. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. But the the drops at the end of the game were were definitely satisfying. If if you're looking <laughs> at the uh, the Chuba Purdy stat line at the end of the game, but no, I mean. It, I think it's it's a little easier to respond the way we did this week coming off a very tough loss where we played well, where you knew the guys were going to have a chip on their shoulder. So let's see how they respond after a blowout win um, coming in this Virginia Tech game. And if they can keep clicking like they did this week, I think that'll show us a lot going you know towards these last four or five games of the season. I, I want to ask you this. Do you like? I feel this every single week, and I feel bad about it. I feel like I'm taking JV and Hawkins for granted. Like, like he is, he is so good week in, week out. 16 carries, 173 yards, three touchdowns this past weekend. Uh, he had the just the unreal 70 yard touchdown run uh, to kick off Louisville scoring. Here's the analogy. I, I made it on the site, and I'll make it again here. Remember when Rick Pitino took over for the basketball program? They were in kind of a, a bad place. When Charlie Strong took over for the football program in 2010, they were in a, in a bad place. Both those both those guys, I think they they utilized the fact that they had, I mean, maybe not a transcendent player, but certainly a star that they could build around. For Patino, it was Reese Gaines, and he said a, a bunch of times, if we didn't have an All American, this rebuild wouldn't have happened nearly as quickly as it did. They were competitive in his first year, and they were a, a four seed in his second year, and he gave most of the credit of that to Reese Gaines. With with Charlie Strong. It was, remember, he made the big deal of Bilal Powell being the face of the program. I think he saw right away what somehow Steve Cragthorpe was totally unable to see, which is, <laughs> I've got an NFL running back here. Let's build this team around him in year one. And it was successful. I mean, Powell had a, just a, an unreal season in 2010 and then parlayed that into a, a decade-long NFL career. I think J.B. and Hawkins is that guy for Scott Satterfield. Um, and I know we have a lot of talent. I know Tutu Atwell gets a lot of attention. I know Malik Cunningham um, was really good last year and has been you know, okay this year. Um, Des Fitzpatrick was certainly a big name when Satterfield arrived. But I feel like Hawkins is that guy for Satterfield where if you take him out of the equation, all of a sudden this quote-unquote rebuild is, a, is, is significantly slower. I think with the way that Satterfield wants the offense to work, you have to have a dynamic bat, back or at least a guy that you feel comfortable giving the ball to 20 times a game. And he's got that in J.B. and Hawkins, who has just been so good. Um, do you think that – does that analogy work? Oh, 100%. And he's getting better, it seems like. Um, yeah. it, it's nice because you can run in between tackles. You know, he can bounce outside. He had the one run this week where he, you know, he cut left and there was penetration in the backfield and he, you know, kind of went all the way back around to the right and outran everyone. So, I mean, he, he's he's built like a, you know, a mini Michael Dyer, except he's a lot faster. Um, he, he's just an absolute bowling ball out there. And I, what do we how many how many more years of eligibility does he have um he's technically it, got three left because this year doesn't count against him so which I, is wild because i mean that you, yeah. when you think about that you know then you start thinking about you know all the the running back records that he could have by the time he gets out of here but it, running back such just like a a position where i mean i you know 
he's obviously incredible. Um, I, I do think about his future. I'm like, man, if, if he, I don't, I, I think he's good enough to where he's going to be gone, you know, before, uh, if, if he decides he wants to go, um, after he's eligible for the NFL draft, he probably will. Um, just because, you know, you run <laughs> like four to five years of being a running back in college, that's a lot of mileage before you get to the NFL. So, you know, for, for his sake, I, I hope he goes in the NFL, um, kind of fresh, not saying I want Scott to, you know, put shackles on him or anything. Um, but I, he's, he's the total package. And like you said, I don't know where we would be without him at this point. Yeah, he's technically a redshirt sophomore, so he could, if he wanted to, go to the NFL draft after this season, or he could stay here for three more years, which is uh, sort of an outrageous thing to think about. My guess is he splits the difference there, and uh, he definitely plays next season, maybe plays uh, the year after that in 2022, and then says, enough is enough. I may not be an NFL back, but I'm at least going to try my hand at it. But, I mean, he's been just so solid and and so good week in, week out. Um, It is unreal. and. I mean, the size, when you look at him, he's one of those guys, it's not just when he's in pads. When he, when you look at him in dress clothes, he looks like a, like a man baby. Like, like his body just, it doesn't look right. And the fact that he can take that frame and take the punishment that he takes week in, week out, he hasn't been hurt. Like he, he is, I'm knocking on wood right now, but he has been a guy that you can feel comfortable to giving the ball 15, 20, 25 times a game. And he just keeps going. And he's, it's not all speed. He he breaks a lot of tackles. He he picks up a lot of yards after contact. And and I just think when all said and done, and I saw, I know um, Cameron Teague Robinson of the Courier Journal posed this question during the game saying, you know, where do you think Javion Hawkins is going to rank on on the list of all-time running backs whenever he leaves Louisville? I mean, he's got to be top five. And I think probably in the end, he's going to wind up being top three. And the stats are probably going to say that he's, you know, one number one or number two, because he's going to rack up a a whole host of yards. But uh, let's ask you this. Your number one Louisville running back, let's say of the last 25 years. It's tough because like, if you're looking at it from, a talent standpoint, I think Michael Bush has to be, if not yeah. at the near the top. But his numbers don't really back that up because he was, you know, doing so many different things early on in his career and wasn't a full time. And also, Bobby Petrino loved to split the carries up with guys. You know, it was, Bush was wasn't the feature back really until the end of the 05 season or halfway through the 05 season, and then the start of the 06 season when he, he broke his leg in week one. But uh, I mean, he'd have to be up there. Um, I'd have to put Bilal Powell up there, even though, again, he only had one season as the feature back, which was ridiculous. Um, It's kind of become a common theme, too. When you look at, I said Steve Cragthorpe didn't utilize Bilal Powell correctly. J.B. Hawkins had two carries for eight yards under Bobby Petrino in 2018, which just seems fucking ridiculous uh, when you look at what he's done in the two years since. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know. OGs are going to have Lenny Lyles up there from back in the day. Um, you've got Eric Shelton. You've got uh, a lot of guys. But it's hard to make a list that doesn't have J.B. Hawkins, I think, in the top three uh, at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Guy we're leaving out, Ralph Dawkins. Absolutely love that guy. Dawkins um, is- but, yeah, I mean, the way Michael Bush looked heading into that season, when <laughs> I mean, the first half he put up against Kentucky was one of the more – I mean, I just had not seen a player in a Louisville uniform look like that on a football field before, just how dominant he was. Um, so that obviously that was a tough pill to swallow. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've definitely had some good ones in the last 20, 25 years. And um, depending on how long, you know, he Javion decides to say, he, obviously he's going to be right up there with him. 
we have to take a moment to acknowledge the just it was a fantastic Saturday for Louisville. I hate to use the word memes because I, I don't think it actually applies here, but just like Louisville fan and coach videos and pictures that can be utilized um, moving forward. You had in the first half, you had the guy, I think his, his son tweeted that it was his dad. Um, I, I think his last name is Goodman. The guy who was just holding up double one <laughs> and just held it for like what felt like 10 seconds on TV. That was great. You had the dude in the vest with the uh, the pipe and the drink who was dancing it, but right before halftime, that was awesome. You had the Scott Satterfield, I don't even know what we're calling it, the sat dance, the sat shuffle um, in the victory video. Like that was awesome. It was just a, again, just a really good feel good day. And it's weird to think that a regional sports network game where you've only got 12,000 fans in attendance could produce so much great content, but it was, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, the thing about our fan base, when you think about it, I mean, some of these other fan bases, um, you know, uh, when you think of their fans, you think of like student sections. And I mean, for Louisville, that's just really not the case. We we might have the median age is going to be a little bit higher um, for football and basketball. But for for football, especially, I don't know why I love it. Just the, the crowd shots of the older fans who, you know, have just gotten plastered in the parking lot all oh, day. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of part of who we are. And I fully embrace every second of it. The guy who was standing next to the, uh, the famous defense guy in the crunch zone last year, who air boxed after a touchdown for like, 20 <laughs> was maybe the, the high point of the 2019 season. Like those guys, I live for those guys. I want to be that guy in like, well, hell, I mean like 10 years from now, we're getting, we're getting a little bit close. Um, the other thing that I mentioned is, and I love that, uh, uh, Ryan McMahon got in on this too. This was for the, uh, the those fucking bitches, the Vipers, the the bench walk-ons from the Florida State basketball game who tried to fight Rymac back in February. We 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 owed them a beatdown, and it couldn't come on the court because we the ACC tournament got canceled, but it had to come on the field. So this was for Ryan. Win yeah, for Ryan. I'm still I'm still not over that game. By the way, not between even. that and Jordan just getting absolutely fucking crammed on, um, that that was one of the tougher watches of the season, but. Who, who knows? We'll see what happens this year. I think Florida State's probably loaded, but um, we'll see what happens. Let's talk, uh, the other th- thing to talk about when it comes to this game is the, I guess, the schadenfreude of two former Louisville quarterbacks, or I guess one former Louisville quarterback and one player who was committed to play for Louisville, uh, took all the snaps from Florida State on Saturday, and they both fucking sucked. Uh, it was... At first, it looked like it was going to be the Jordan Travis revenge game. He had a couple of ridiculous runs on their first drive. Uh, he had the, I mean, I don't even know how to describe the the first touchdown for FSU. He dribbled the ball five times, broke through the worst tackling I've ever seen and scored. And at that point, I mean, every Louisville fan in the world was like, here we go. Here we go. Like, this is this is the day. Travis for 5,000 yards, and we're going to lose by 70. Um, but it didn't happen. He did not look great. Threw about five balls that should have been picked. Had some good runs, but it really didn't do much through the air. And then Chubba Purdy comes in at the end and just a disastrous stat line. Uh, Kelly Dickey pointed out that Chubba Purdy set a UofL opponent record for the most passes in a game without a completion going 0 for 9. Uh, the overall Florida State completion percentage was 34%. They were 14 of 41. And that was the lowest by a Power 5 opponent against Louisville since Florida State back in 2016 when they completed 33% of their passes in that huge blowout on college game day. Look, I, I, I don't fault Jordan Travis for transferring. And I thought it was interesting that a lot of former players were like, 
supporting him during this game. Jalen Smith tweeted about it. Makai Becton tweeted about it. They thought he was going to play really well. Um, I think wanted Jordan Travis to be the quarterback back in 2018. But Chubba Purdy, again, I don't fault an 18-year-old for making a decision that he feels like is the best in his best interest. But I also don't have to cheer for you. I also don't have to not take pleasure when I see you just look like a a complete disaster against the team that you were supposed to play for and that you kind of let on a little bit during the recruiting process. Exactly. That's exactly like it would be one thing if he, you know, kind of during the thing said, you know what, Um, they just hired, you know, Mike Norvell. Uh, Maybe I'm I'm, I'm probably going to back out of my commitment and reevaluate my options. But to make a switch the day of signing day. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to, you know, actively root against a kid's success. But when, when you're playing the team I cheer for, um, it, it obviously does make it a little bit sweeter when um, you watch him struggle. So, yeah, and, and Jordan Travis, I, he looked a little banged up to me. I, I don't know if he was 100% healthy. Um, but, yeah, just overall, they just I – mean, Florida State's offense just looks so unorganized. Um, a lot of penalties, real sloppy, and – Neither quarterback particularly accurate, although, like we talked about, definitely let down with a lot of the um, drop balls by uh, the receivers. Yeah, when on their last drive after we, uh, I think it was Rajay Burns fumbled the punt and gave FSU the ball at like the 15 yard line. I was more into that series than I was pretty much any series in the second half. Like, I really did not want Chubba Purdy to score. And two is, I guess, it it wasn't his fault entirely. He had three passes that I think were dropped by the same guy who just could not catch it all. He was, like, putting it right in his bread basket and just couldn't hold on to it. But I was glad to see Anthony Johnson make three plays in a row. Um, That was cool to see. But it was just keeping them out of the end zone. It felt good. I didn't want that. First of all, the score would have looked better than it should have. And second of all, Chubba Purdy. You always want to let them know that you made the right cho- wrong choice. It's like we'll do the sports cliche thing where you have to compare everything to a relationship. But it's like in a break in an amicable breakup, you can be happy for that person. You, you might even want them to be happy, but you don't want them to be happier than you are. Like, you want them yeah. to be a little bit less happy than you are, and that's the case with Chubba Purdy. It's fine. Yeah. Yes, against us, I hope you shit the bed. Exactly, and it is nice to kind of know that. You know, Florida State's in a situation where they've already had to thrust this kid into action, whether he's ready or not. Um, and, you know, we have the comfort of having, you know, some quarterbacks a- a- ahead of T. Webb, who was kind of the other guy, um, you know, that maybe not as much hype around him. Um, and then Chubb obviously decommitted. So T. Webb kind of became our number one guy. And it's, it's nice that we're able to kind of just, you know, sit back and, let him develop without any pressure and hopefully down the line, he's going to, um, you know, outplay Chubba for his career. We'll see how that goes. We have to give a, a special podcast shout out to, uh, to podcast favorite Jack Fago. Uh, the nickname has become Jack Fagot and <laughs> he supports it. He favored it on Twitter. So he's all for it. Uh, the only person in our secondary who seems capable of catching uh, pass, it, it was a tip, but whatever. Uh, Jack Fago already owns Trevor Lawrence, picked him off last year, famously uh, has Trevor Lawrence shook. He's been terrified um, all season long. Trevor Lawrence now apparently considering coming back to Clemson for his senior season. I think that's entirely based on the fact that he can't play well against Louisville. He wants a third chance at him next year. But now Jack Fago just tearing up Florida State, the two Atlantic Division powerhouses. They are uh, they're owned by Jack. So shout out to the Fagot. He's the man. We love him. Um, 
any final thoughts about the Florida State game before we move on here, Dan? I'm very interested to see how they do the rest of the season because I was very underwhelmed. But again, I was underwhelmed by Notre Dame the week before, and then they went out and beat Pitt like a drum 45-3. to That was probably the most shocking score of the week to me. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like very unorganized, not very well coached. I know, I know it's his first year, but, um, for some reason I can see them trending downward the rest of the year. I'm with you. Um, yeah, it's, it seemed the North Carolina game, I think we're going to look back at as sort of a fluke this year, but, um, I kind of thought Mike Norvell was a good hire. It's been a total disaster since he got there and probably it's, probably going to be later rather than sooner before that changes. So uh, we're going to answer some questions from Twitter here. Before we do that, I want to remind you guys that the podcast uh, and the site are now sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel launched their new line of UofL gear uh, back on October 17th. If you haven't checked it out, do so. Um, if you like vintage gear, if you just like soft, cool Louisville shirts and hoodies, check them out and you can save money on your first purchase. You can save 20% by using the promo code Card Chronicle, all one word at checkout. Um, people said, why don't you put the link to the, the home field site in your show notes? We're going to start doing that now on the pod. So if you want to go check out the home field apparel line of Louisville gear or their line of other colleges, they've got like 500 colleges now that they have uh, cool retro gear for. We'll put the link in the uh, the show notes. It's also always on the website. You can check it out there. So again, if you need Louisville gear, get your Christmas shopping done early or just make a little present for yourself. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Follow them on Twitter at homefieldapparel. No E in apparel there. Uh, and again, use the promo code CardChronicle at checkout to save yourself 20% on your first purchase. All right, Dan. Uh, last week before we recorded, I asked people for uh, for Twitter questions. I then completely forgot that I asked them for Twitter questions and we didn't answer any of them. Uh, I answered a few with Keith on uh, the Friday pod last week. But are you ready to get into these? Let's do it. All right, uh, we'll start here. This is a brilliant first step here. We've talked no basketball at all, but my guy Austin Montgomery wants to know, what was your favorite Angel Nunez moment? Angel Nunez comes up on this pod far too often, far too frequently. Yeah, God, that's like, you're really catching me off guard with this one. I can't say any stick out. I, I remember a home game. He hit like an NBA range three, and I was like, here he comes, Angel Nunez. And then I don't think we – we heard from him until he transferred to Gonzaga again. So um, if you got one that sticks out, I'll let you take the floor here. I think my favorite Angel Nunez moment is when his former AAU coach signed up for an account on Card Chronicle and hijacked every thread for like a solid month. <laughs> it would, the, the post would be like Louisville football 2013 schedule set. And the first comment would be like this guy, and he'd be like, why don't you fucking ask Rick why he's not getting Angel out there? From I was like, oh my god, it was so bad. I think we ended up having to ban him. I think Angel Nunez, former AAU coach, had to get banned from the site. But there was a while there where he was like, in every game thread, like Angel would come in at the end of a fifty-point blowout and make an uncontested breakaway layup, and he'd be like, see, see, I told you guys, I'm worth. All right, man. I, I don't know. That was. That's the definitive Angel Nunez moment in my mind. What like, what, cla what class was he in? He was in like a pretty good class, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember. think of it off the top of my head. I'll have to go back and look. But, um, yeah, it just might have been a case of that's when we were uber talented and he didn't really get a chance to, to showcase. I mean, he did all right at Gonzaga. Um, and but, 
Yeah, I mean, he at least saw the floor. We'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, Paul Allen, is Will Smith good at baseball? That's World Series champion Will Smith. Shout out to him. Uh, That's so awesome. It's, it is awesome. First Louisville-born um, person to uh, to hit a home run in the World Series, and now first UofL alum to play in the World Series and win a World Series. Who would have thought that the first like Louisville-born player to, to, play in, to win a World Series would be somebody who went to KCD? Yeah, I mean, uh, shout out KCD. And I mean... I th- I think this is just the beginning for this kid. I think he's really good. Like I'm I've seen I mean this is way I mean the comparison is a long way away but uh, I've seen Buster Posey comparisons to him just with you know how clutch he is um kind of his demeanor behind the plate how he calls the game and I was so glad they won because I know he had the mishap in, in game 5 um with the swipe tag and I did I, I, you know I'm sure he felt awful about it. You know, I did not want him to be remembered for, for that play. So just by winning, that totally erases that. And I think we're, you know, as a Reds fan, there's probably maybe two or three players on the team that I wouldn't trade for him. I think that's how good and valuable he is. Yeah, he's awesome. It's weird. Not weird, but like when you think about those great Louisville baseball teams that we've had over the past decade, he was certainly a really, really good player. But I, I didn't think that he was going to be the star that he's been since he got called up last summer. I mean, he's been phenomenal. And you see, I mean, he's the first, what, catcher to have a, a five-hit game in the postseason ever. Like, that's pretty remarkable. He's been – and I know he did tag it in the World Series. He didn't hit all that well. But he almost hit a home run last night. Uh, I'm with you. I think he's going to be a really, really good player for a really long time. And that's a good thing for global baseball. Let's see here. Uh, Casey says, we have a hot take on this Greg Marshall stuff. Um not a hot take. I mean, not shocking news to anybody who I think has watched the Wichita State game for the last 10 years. Not a good guy. Uh, Greg Marshall, kind of a bad dude. Yeah. I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think, and it's not like we're the only ones. I think everyone around college basketball knew that, you know, I, he, I just don't understand how a guy like that gets recruits to come. It, it, it boggles my mind. I mean, because not only is he an asshole and everyone can see it, but you're coming to to Wichita, um, you know, in a in a conference that's not a Power Five conference. So, could he coach? Uh, I, you know, yeah. I, he could 100. <laughs> percent Um, but it's just the juice kind of isn't worth the squeeze if you're, you know, getting physically beaten by your coach. In my opinion, I mean, he's a. I don't think there's any question. He's a brilliant basketball coach. He's a massive asshole. And I don't think Wichita State's going to fire him because, I mean, let's just say it, all that Koch brothers money got put exactly. in. Exactly. Like yep. I mean, that's, there's no other way around it. They're going to do everything they can to not fire him. And the fact that he's had multiple players, both from Wichita State and Winthrop, tell the same types of stories and they still haven't acted is just, uh, I would we've say. Reached, yeah, we, we've reached the point in college basketball where. You actually have to physically murder someone to get fired, I think, because yeah. with what everyone's doing to keep their jobs, uh, it, it's I mean, you just the things that you have to do to get fired are astronomical at this point. Uh, Tyler Cole says, how hard should Mac press to get DePaul into the Louisville bubble this year? Um, harder than he is. We, we, <laughs> we need to get DePaul in there, by the way. Keep an ear out for some uh, expanded Louisville bubble talk coming up here relatively soon. Um, I think we could get some, at least one, pretty cool team into this thing that would make it a lot cooler. But 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But would yeah, you, I mean, with the Orlando people, thing falling apart, yeah. it just seems like there's a lot of moving pieces right now. Um, so, I mean, yeah, hopefully some of that lands um, favorably to the to the Louisville bubble, but I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, Brent Eversole says, what's your favorite Dan quote? Um, <laughs> my, my senior quote in my yearbook was from AC Slater. It said, I was in the seat. I'll take the heat. Um, which looking back is just utterly ridiculous and, and dumb, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think everyone, um, that listens to the podcast would think my favorite quote would be, yeah, no. Cause I seem yeah, to no. contradict myself a lot, but I don't really have, I don't really have, uh, uh, like a Mark Twain quote that I, I bust out too often. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, or literally the top three podcast quotes for sure. I, I'm trying to think like you, you've definitely made me laugh more over the years than I think anybody else in my life. But usually it's not like your, your witty one liners. It's, it's usually just you doing like your storytelling or you just doing something stupid. Um, I'm trying to think of my face. It, this isn't a line, but I love the fact that <laughs> so your uh, your junior year in high school, you wrote for the student newspaper at Trinity and you wrote a whole column about the best water fountains in school. Like that. Oh, God, that that was an absolute that kind of put me on the map in high school, to be honest. <laughs> it really did. I was a nobody until that article. And uh, yeah, I, I remember going in the hallway and. Like it was like a scene out of a movie where like everyone was reading it and like talking about it. I was like, Oh my God, I did it. (laughs) I mean, it was just so like the real star of the show is on second floor flourish where it was, it was, it was a wonderful idea. It was the kind of stuff that like blog started doing like a decade later. It was really, it was really good. Uh, That or one of my favorite stories, again, that we can tell on the podcast was the story about, when you were a kid, you were having like a baseball practice and they would announce like the, the player's favorite player when they were coming up to bat. And it was everybody was like, here comes Barry Bonds or here comes Sammy Sosa. And then you come up and they're like, now batting <laughs> Arrestus Destrade. If, if you want to Google Arrestus Destrade, he was a first baseman for the Marlins and had like the old school like dad Gosh. 1980s um, glasses on just to, like the a total nerd. He ended up working for baseball tonight, but um, I, I had a couple of his, his cards growing up. So big Arrestus Destrade fan. We actually had a friend who I got a video uh, of Arrestus Destrade telling you, Hey, because you're such a big fan. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good one. Uh, let's see here. Um, <laughs> I, you're in quarantine with only a Nintendo 64. Which game do you choose? I'm gonna have to default to you here because I didn't. I never had a Nintendo 64 growing up. Oh, I mean, there's there's two options. There's Mario Party or Mario Kart. Um, Mario Kart. I was. I mean, for a while, the guys who are gonna be listening to this are probably gonna make fun of me because I know I got beaten a lot in college. But I would say from like sophomore year of high school till senior year of high school, I was absolutely dynamite at that game. Um, but yeah, then college happened. I didn't get to play as much. <laughs> Why are you acting like you, like college somehow took away? From you? I know. I'm like, I didn't get to play as much. It's like, actually I switched to GoldenEye. Um, 
<laughs> I know. No, but the, I mean, there's people out there that, that I play that that could beat me, but on uh, Wario Stadium, it's tough to beat me there. Uh, Terry says, what are your top three Louisville basketball uniforms? By the way, we have an update on uniform gate from last week. Ryan Mann kind of cleared it up, and, and Jordan Ward did the same thing. The uniforms with the gigantic cardinal head on the left ass cheek, those were supposed to be the postseason uniforms last year. So we're not going to be wearing those this year. Everybody breathe easy. Uh, McMahon said that he actually liked the material. He thought they were uh, – he enjoyed the uniform. But uh, Adidas just – here's what I will say, though. We've been begging Adidas to give us shitty postseason uniforms because we play the best when the uniforms are the worst. Uh, the infrareds, the camo sleeve jerseys. Like, the uniforms for the postseason got too good, and that's when we stopped winning. So now I feel even worse about the tournament getting canceled last year. We would have made a deep run because those uniforms sucked. Nah. I, even being so, I, I would have had a hard time watching that. I mean, those that's how bad the uniforms were. I was like, my God, these are hideous. As far as the, the top three little, I, I can't, I only remember uniforms by year when they're like really bad. Like the, the ass rainbow from the 06 NIT team, the, um, the sleeve jerseys, the infrareds, like the postseason uniforms kind of stand out more. I, I think I remember really liking what we wore in 2014-15, um, the, the Montrezl, Terry Rozier year during the regular season. But I can't really like, – they're almost always so close that I can't really differentiate the uniforms by year for the past decade. Can you? No, not at all. And I think we had like a throwback a couple of years ago that was just very clean and silk looking when we were wearing all white that just had like Louisville across the chest – um i you know i can't really describe it it was just like a really sleek look um but yeah i mean like if you put them all in front of me maybe i'd be able to pick them out but uh yeah my my brain can't function that well to pick you know a uniform from a certain year uh vte 502 says for those of us who are trying to get on the same name basis as co-host daniel is it scott or scotty uh, he said sidebar scott has always sounded like it was short for something uh, I mean, besides uh, Scotland, so I just refer to him as Scotterfield. This is the same <laughs> by the way, called you Dan the Insider Sonard, which is a nickname that I think really needs to stick. Um, but so you go Scott, obviously. You're not, not a Scotty guy. Yeah, he's Scott. I mean, that's probably what he's called around his house. And, you know, if they're going to call him that in his house, then I'm going to call him that on the podcast. If it's good enough for Beth, it's good enough for Dan. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. You're exactly right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, are you still a guy that, like, if you see, like, an old coach of yours, like, like maybe, like, an eighth-grade football coach, like, would you call him, like, hey, coach, what's up? Or would you, like, say his first name? I, I think it kind of depends on who it is, but probably I'd go coach. Like, if, if I ran into, like, an old high school coach, I'd probably say coach first. Gosh, now that I think about it, I'm like, maybe i do that, too. Um, we but, need a get together. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I could see if I saw him, I'd be like, Coach, what's up? But uh, yeah, I've just, I don't know. For some reason, that the the first name when when discussing Louisville athletics just sticks with me. Uh, Danimal says, "What is the next '80s tune to appear on social media and go back to the Billboard Top 10?" Just did from Fleetwood Mac. Um, Jesse's girl. You think? I don't know. I just that that's my probably my favorite '80s hit. Uh, I was gonna go with the um, 
outfield your love because the lead singer just died last week. But I guess it was gonna it would have happened last week. By the way, that that song it grows on me. Like when I haven't heard it in a while, I love it. If I hear it too much, I can't take it anymore. Yeah, I go through like stages with '80s music. Like, me too. I'll, I'll go on like a you know maybe like a week binge like once every like six months or something like that and 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 get them all in. But I can't just nonstop listen to it. Uh, Peapods, will you be addressing your feelings on chili, and will you weigh in on the noodles versus beans, and which one, according to some people, is the more heinous crime against chili? People have. This is where I, I kind of get annoyed with some social media. Like people have very specific and extreme opinions on stuff like chili. And look, a lot of kinds of chili are good. I've, I've had a bunch of different kinds of chili. It's all good. If you want to put noodles in it, it's fine. doesn't make it soup. If you want to put beans in it, it's fine. Uh, it can be good. Cincinnati chili with the cinnamon, fine. It, it's all good. It's your personal preference. I don't understand why people just get so upset about this stuff. But um, I love – my wife makes really good chili. It's got noodles in it. My mom made it with noodles in it growing up. I've got no problem whatsoever. Now, you're from – you have Cincinnati ties. So what's, yes. your, what's your take on chili? 100% noodles is more than okay. I mean we we – Love Skyline so much that when we go to family gatherings for Christmas, we have Skyline catering. <laughs> so, I mean, you're asking a guy that, I mean, of course, I, I when I go to like work events and stuff, everyone does like the crock pot chili. A lot of them don't have noodles in it. Um, but I've always been a huge Skyline guy. Um, definitely like a four way, two Coney order guy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm team noodles. If, if, Kind of that's the question you're asking. Um, the spicier, the better. I'm with you on that too. I'd, I'd always load up on the spice. Um, Daniel Mudd, terrible lawyer, terrible football player, um, terrible NBA to Lou executive. Uh, he asks us, who's a better three point shooter, you or Dan Zone? Um, I, I've got to default to you there. That's that's going to be you. I mean, you you're definitely better at everything related to basketball than I am. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't really, I'm, I'm trying to be as humble as I can, but yeah, I would say it would be me. Um, I, I mean, that was like the the one thing I actually did above average, and that's the reason I, you know, my basketball career at least advanced to senior year of high school is because I could shoot the three. Um, everything else I was average to below average at. I mean, it's the only thing I can do in basketball is shoot, so back in the day, I think I could have been competitive with you. I mean, if we played a one-on-one -on -one game at any point in our lives, you would have destroyed me all the time, but shooting, I could have at least kept it close, but you were, you were a pretty knocked down shooter. So yeah, I, we, we played on a, um, a, whatever you would call it, like a, a team in, in college. Um, it's called intramural like, team. Intramurals. I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> we played on an intramural team and you ran the point and, I thought you did a good job. You, you, you didn't overshoot. You facilitated when you need to. Um, and somehow the team we were on, which did not have that many skilled basketball players, almost won that intramural tournament, which might have been the greatest sports feat that I would have accomplished in you know all my years. Semifinal loss is still haunting. After It really does. God, that pit. We had a lead and squandered it. I still get pissed about it. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Ian says, uh, general question here, best prediction for starting five this year coming up. In um, I know Shannon wrote a story about this for the Courier-Journal, Shannon, not Sharon. Um, 
she I, I don't I don't remember exactly who she projected. She saw practice a couple of weeks ago. I think that and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like four spots are taken for sure. David Johnson, Carly Jones, who now has won the gold jersey two weeks in a row, uh, Sam Williamson, and then Malik Williams. The question is, <clears throat> who steps up and takes over at the, the four, or do they bump Sam down to the four and put somebody else in at the three or the two? Um, there's been a lot of hype about Jalen Withers. My best guess as of right now is that Chris Mack uses Charles Medlin, the the grad transfer from San Francisco, as sort of a a Dwayne Sutton guy. I mean, that was when, when Minland committed to Louisville, he said that their big selling point was they wanted him to guard the best opposing offensive player. He wants to be a defensive stopper. He's going to be the hustle guy. He's going to clean up on the glass. And he's not like, I, I don't think he could play the four as well as Dwayne did the last couple of years. He's more of a natural guard. He could probably play the three, but I think they'll find a spot. That's my best guess as of right now. Could be totally wrong. But I would go with that five. Uh, do you have any sort of insight there, Dan? No, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I can't really guess just because we haven't seen Jalen Withers play, so we don't really know, you know, how good he is or or what kind of impact he's going to have. Um, but it, it kind of just depends on, you know, we we do know that Minlin can can guard. Um, we saw that uh, with his four years and or his three years in San Francisco. So yeah, I mean, I would. I, I trust Chris Mack there, um, and I, I think it, we might see it tinker maybe the first couple games, and it might not be a set-in-stone thing, and maybe around Christmas or so we'll be able to kind of figure out who these starting five are going to be. The only thing that makes me excited, because it's weird this year with Jalen Withers. I mean, he redshirted last year, so we didn't get to see him in you know any game action. I think the only thing we saw from him was him winning the dunk contest at Louisville Live, and now we're not going to get there. No red-white scrimmages. No exhibition games this year. So we're not going to see him until he gets into his actual first game action. But everybody who's been at practice, whether it's local people that I, that I know who've been uh, able to go or a couple of national guys, including one from ESPN, they've said the same thing. Like like one of the guys at ESPN who watched practice a few weeks ago said Jalen Withers was awesome. Um, and that makes me very excited because – He's certainly an athletic freak. He's got uh, great genes. His dad, Curtis, used to light us up at, at UNC Charlotte back in the day. So if he could step in and be a, like a reliable option at the four or maybe the five, if Aiden Gahan's not ready to, to play big minutes this year, it's going to help us out a bunch. This is – it's just – it's a weird team to talk about, and I know we'll talk about it more the closer we get to the actual start of the season. But I feel like you – like we know David Johnson is a, is a potential superstar. We think Sam Williamson could be a breakout sophomore. We know what Malik Williams gives us uh, in the middle. And I think at this point, you can say we know Carly Jones is going to be a, a solid player. Outside of that, like, no idea. Like, I've got no idea if any of these guys that were freshmen last year and didn't play much are going to be good as sophomores or if Jalen Withers is going to be great as a redshirt freshman. Um, I, I, Charles Midland's going to have to find his role. We'll see how he fits in and all this. It's just such a... It's a weird team to analyze because there are more unknowns heading into any season than I can remember. I I absolutely think we have six solid players that we can rotate in and out, and that's great. I think the key to this season is going to be keeping Malik healthy. Um, yeah. he, he's had some injury troubles in the past, and I, I don't know, you know, from a bench standpoint what we're going to be able to bring in I have no idea how much Aiden Agehan has improved um, you know he didn't really get a whole lot of action last year 
I know we brought in our, our another big guy, Gabe. Um, I'm blanking on his last name, but it, it seems like from that standpoint, we're not going to be as deep. But it, one through six, I'm saying that without seeing Jalen Weathers play. You know, I'm just going off what other people are saying. It seems like um, uh, all fans should should feel pretty good about who we have on the floor. I'm I'm the the reason I'm team is we just have I would say three to four. I don't know about Minland, but at least three guys in, in David Johnson, Sam Williamson, and Carlick Jones that we know can create their own shot at the end of the shot clock, and I think that's key to to you know, having guys like that, because in Max first couple of years, we really didn't, we had a lot of spot up shooters, uh-huh. a lot of guys that maybe couldn't take people off the dribble and it, it'll be nice to where, Hey, you know, offense is getting clogged down. Let's just, you know, give it to one of these three and get out of the way. Um, so I'm totally looking forward to it. I'm already amped. Yeah. I have a lot of 2015, 16 vibes with this team and going into that year, I think like next to nobody had Louisville in their preseason top 25. And I kept saying, I think this is a, a team that's definitely top 25 good and could be even better than that because I think Damian Lee is better than everybody thinks he is. And that wound up being the case. And I think Carly Jones, we've had a lot of grad transfers. We've had some pretty good ones. We've had some just okay ones. I think Carly Jones is going to be the best grad transfer we've had since Damian Lee. And, and he could wind up being even better than Damian Lee. And I think Menlin's going to to fill a void as well. I think he, he can find a niche here and be really, really helpful for this team. So because of that, and because I think that uh, David Johnson is an absolute star in the making and Sam Williamson can be a star if he improves a little bit uh, from last year. And we'll see how he, it, it's, it's it was weird for him playing behind Jordan Wara last year. I mean, this is a guy who's been a star his whole life. We'll see how he adapts to being the guy at the three this year. So I, I think this team can be a lot better than some people nationally are giving them credit for. But again, more talk about that as we get closer and closer to November 25th and what should be, uh, fingers crossed, the start of the 2020-21 basketball season. Uh, last question here from Twitter, and it's the uh, it's Halloween week. we got the game on Saturday. It's also Halloween day. The videos have been creepy. Shout out to Justin Marshall for going to Waverly Hills. That was uh, a terrifying video. But it, Halloween plans across the country are in sort of a state of flux. People want to know what our kids are being and what our Halloween plans are. Um, we have... Virginia was a puppy. We went to Boo at the Zoo on Sunday. She's was was kind of into it. I mean, really couldn't give a shit about the candy or the other kids. She just wanted to look at the animals and by the end of the time, just go home. So that that was fun. But we're not going to do door-to-door trick-or-treating this year. I mean, she's too young to remember it anyway. And uh, with everything going on, we're going to, I think, opt out of that for this year. But you've got three kids. The two uh, older ones are old enough to really understand Halloween and be into it. So what are you guys doing? Yep, we got um, Cam, the six-year-old. He's going to be Pikachu, which for people that are unfamiliar, he's a Pokemon character. (laughs) Um, I have no idea how he got into that. He collects Pokemon cards, so props to him for doing that. And then um, both my daughters, Lila, who's uh, three, and and Mallory, who's five months, they they are unicorns. So, um, yeah, should be a good time. Although here in Columbus, we're supposed to trick or treat uh, on Thursday for whatever reason. They don't do it on like, yeah, this is like the most just suburbia place to where they don't like to trick or treat on the weekends for whatever reason. So and of course, it's a hundred hundred percent chance of rain tomorrow. So um, I I feel bad for these kids. So that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the I know. Believe me, I, I, I like 
have threatened to move back to Louisville because of it. Um, I'm, I'm not happy about it. But let me ask you this. What, what was your all-time Halloween costume like when you growing up that you're like, this is my favorite one? For some reason, I don't see you being a guy that like got into dressing up a whole lot. Uh, I always had weird Halloween costumes. I always did like different. Like, I was Santa Claus one year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was um, I was Snoopy one year. Like I always kind of like just tried to like do something a little bit different. The my favorite one, and I got on the news for it at, actually at Trick or Treat at the Zoo, Boo at the Zoo, is the year there was the baseball strike. I was a baseball player uh, on strike. I had a big sign that was like strike or whatever put through it and like carried the sign around and was like in my i think it was like a rockies uniform that was probably my favorite one okay yeah i i, I mean i've had a couple you know i've been ronald mcdonald i've been buddy the elf but um i'd say my the one that i probably is the most memorable because everyone was like who the hell are you was when i was john crook the old first baseman from the <laughs> philadelphia phillies and I had like a Phillies hat with like a ponytail hanging out the back. And I had like a Philly sweatshirt where I put a pillow in my stomach. And then I markered on a brown beard. I was like eight years old at this point. The <laughs> Phillies had just made the World Series. And I had like a thing of big league chew that I just went around chewing everywhere. So I, 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 I people, I think like literally at eight years old as John Cruck. No one has z- any idea who the hell you are. So shout out to my mom and dad who somehow got on board with that. That's incredible. I, I love that the first two costumes you named too were costumes that you had like from college. Like not not as a kid. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, yeah, they, they were both hits. Reminder again, if you guys haven't uh, subscribed to the pod, please do so wherever you can find podcasts. Also, I should mention, I think the audio quality is going to be better after this podcast. We've got some uh, some new stuff coming in that I think is going to help us out a little bit here. No guarantees. So if, if you love the charm of the uh, recording from a public restroom on the moon quality of, of this pod, it might well continue. We'll find out. Uh, and again, if you can give us a, a review if you can give us a five-star rating, it helps out a lot. We have one new review this week. I'll read it. And the uh, the subject of the review, the title, is just Brad Giannini, which is fantastic. Uh, and he says, awesome podcast. Love the laid-back and informative info Mike and Dan talk about. It's the best place to listen and learn about Louisville Athletics, and we'll definitely get a laugh throughout the pod. And then he says, I wanted to let you guys know – my dad and I talked about favorite Louisville basketball players, and my father to this day still thinks that Brad Giannini is one of the best point guards to ever suit up for the cards. If that isn't one of the most, quote, dad-type players uh, because he played seven minutes of fundamentally sound basketball game, that must make him the best point guard for Louisville. And if you were really thinking what his second favorite player was, it was Chris Current. Well done. <laughs> that, that really, that like... When he said that, like, if that's the most dad thing ever, that actually sounds exactly like something my dad would say as well. Oh, so my dad, 100%. he's very accurate. I think my dad did say it at one point. We also <laughs> have to tell the story of uh, you and I at Molly Malone's. I think after the the UConn regular season finale in 2014, uh, where Giannini and Current were both there, because I don't think they can. They're like they're contractually not allowed to go places in Louisville without one another. Um, and I drunkenly made you pick who your favorite was right in front of them i was like yeah like who are you going with do you need any of your current oh yeah well it's like i'm glad you remember that because i sure <laughs> it's like 
that night got a little fuzzy for old Dan. Uh, it got away from us. But I, I think uh, you didn't pick. You did, you did the right thing, which was not pick. But shout out to – I know Chris Current listens to this podcast. Shout out to Chris. I don't think Brad Giannini does, but that's okay. We love both you guys. Uh, you guys are the best. Dan, do you have a Dan in the Dumps this week, or are we punting again? I'm sure after Halloween, I, I, our kids, they, they have a hard time handling any sort of sugar or candy. So I'm sure we'll have massive <laughs> breakdowns over Halloween at some point. So talk to me next week and it could be a different story. All right. We'll have a, a second pod this week coming up here on Friday to preview the Virginia Tech game. Um, we'll also talk about any other news that may happen over the course of the next 48 hours. But until then, until we talk to you guys again, again, please subscribe to the pod if you can. And we'll, we'll talk to you next. Go Cards. Go-kart.